you want to figure out how can I go out there in the world and feel quote unquote normal. I had the privilege of meeting incredible people that you would really only meet by chance. There's a lot of places on this planet that have humbled the shit out of me. I think the thing that makes you unique and different is the thing that's going to position you for success. I don't shine if you don't shine. I was glowing. You were truly in my damn homeland. Uh, hi guys, we're back with another episode of On She Goes. We are at the Sundance Film Festival here and we are going to be talking to some amazing directors and today with us we have Sarah Springer and Naima Ramos Chapman. Sarah is a journalist, Emmy nominated producer and documentary filmmaker. Naima is director, writer, actress and filmmaker and the two of them worked on a film called Still Here. It's actually a VR experience, correct? Yes. I think I would call it like a docu-narrative hybrid where there's certain elements of of research and kind of having that face-to-face conversation. We worked with the Women's Prison Association Mm -hmm. and talked to Elaine Daly and a lot of other women who were able to talk about their experiences being um, incarcerated and has journalistic integrity, Mm -hmm. but there's a lot of creative, you know, liberties taken and just trying to get at the core of how it a person will feel mm. and so but I would never call it a film yes it's a VR immersive experience and Naima brought a lot of the um, the power and the feeling of the narrative to mm. what because Al Jazeera um, contrast is so rooted in journalism that it was that hybrid and and in fact one thing that I think was incredibly unique even from a narrative or a journalistic perspective was the uh, the collaboration with the WPA Mm-hmm. Um, because a lot of times what we what we used to say is oh we want to be a voice for the voiceless and that yeah. usually means that we want to add in <laughs> a little bit here and there of right. what we think another has gone through but actually being able to really go back and forth with the women mm-hmm. so that their stories were really rooted in mm-hmm. in in the narrative mm-hmm. um so i'm gonna give just a description um still here uh documents the experiences of nine formerly incarcerated women through one woman, correct? Jasmine. And uh, they are re-entering society, and it's actually taking place at the New Frontier Program, uh, which is here at Sundance. It's really awesome. Um, how did you guys become collaborators on this? Well, um, Zara actually approached me um, kind of already with the story in mind, just mm-hmm. sort of like she was interested in doing something where we're using photogrammetry, we're using these different VR elements to create a story around this woman, Jasmine. So there was like certain base elements that were already put in place. Mm-hmm. So they brought it to me and just, you know, we had a conversation and um, I was like, this is totally in, a, in alignment with what I want to do in terms mm-hmm. of thinking about how to expand um, what we see on screen in terms of women's stories, mm-hmm. but also, you know, not projecting um, just pain you know um i think that's something that we struggle with in terms of sharing hard things because it gets exploited in mind Mm -hmm. and um you know i'm tired of seeing women bloodied or you know brutalized on screen just because as a plot point yeah the 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 point of um working on this for me was just like okay this is about mass incarceration which has touched my life unfortunately i it's three generations deep of like Mm -hmm. me experiencing my own um, being brutalized by the police and mm-hmm. my mom having, you know, 
in the civil rights movement having to worry about her safety and my dad having spent 15 years behind bars in St. Louis Penitentiary mm-hmm. where he, um, you know, he was convicted uh, and sentenced way too um, harshly, harshly mm-hmm. for how old he was, the mental health state he was in, and he actually learned and fought his way out. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I wanted to honor my experience with thinking really specifically um, and with the help of the WPA about how how are these places that are not built for any human, but also don't even take into account what it's like to be a, like a woman in for prison. For sure. But that was uh, sort of the reason why um, I jumped in and wrote and um, directed the VR portion. Mm-hmm. And then Carvel Wallace, mm-hmm. he did the AR um, portion of it. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm excited to see it all, all together. Come together, right? <laughs> you know. Last year, um, we got a chance to talk to Aisha Nataraja. She did Traveling While Black with uh, Roger Ross Williams. And one of the things that they were saying was they were they wanted to use VR as an opportunity to kind of put people in the shoes of others so that they can see firsthand what this is like, like what, you know, to get the experience instead of just watching it on the screen, you know, you're actually feel like you're going through it. Was that something that you guys were thinking or? I struggle with that whole idea of empathy machine Mm -hmm. because I feel like that is not doing the work it takes to move across differences Mm -hmm. in order to be next to someone and understand where your privilege is at and their experience. And there's no way that you can understand what it's like to be in my body as a black woman. For sure. So there's an element of VR where like that kind of sell to me falls a little short. Mm -hmm. But I do think that it offers an immersive experience for you being next to, you know, um, Jasmine, this character mm-hmm. who is, you know, having to do a visit with her family and not touch and hold her child, for instance. So um, I definitely want people to get closer, but in terms of this illusion that you can never really understand, it's kind of the same with, you know, male privilege. And as right. much as I have conversations <clears throat> with you, you're still never going to know and understand. Right. Um, so what does that work look like? to stand next to me and figure out allyship rather than like I'm you right. for about 25 minutes right. in a VR. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, about four years ago when I started to become more interested in incorporating immersive tech in storytelling, that was kind of the um, the narrative around VR at the time. So uh, I was at Vice producing some pieces and also in development for um, a show around young black people and also working on a documentary about the movement for black lives. And I thought being in that environment at Vice where we, our stories were being manipulated in very specific ways um, that the creators, in fact, felt heightened by, really bothered me. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, not to say that those stories or that the trauma, although we do not need to center our trauma, we are more than, um, I thought there's no way that we can continue to consume narrative that literally yes, satisfies something because it's what we've seen collectively for so long, but goes through one ear and out the other. So I started to think of immersive, okay, is there another way of using this technology to trigger, you know, the sensories that that maybe have been um, 
not eliminated, but but uh, deaded, let's say, for right. some time. Right. And and so when I got more into the space, um, that was what everyone would say. I don't know if it was a selling point. Uh, oh, this empathy machine, this empathy machine. There is nothing like the real thing. Mm. And in fact, VR is very isolating. Mm. And like you were saying, it's an experience that you can have on your own where true. you are to... Exactly. Is, yeah. Exactly. But there is something I will say in, in terms of art practices where like whenever you do use the body in order to trigger certain things mm-hmm. there I think there is a physicality that you're understanding this experience is memory mm-hmm. that is a little different than mm-hmm. sitting still and watching a film right. that doesn't instruct you to like stand up yeah. and sit down mm-hmm. and grab this and yeah. you know playing with embodiment even though you can't be in someone else's body so right. I, I will give it yeah. you know there, there are ways to use it to kind of shift the way we think about Mm-hmm. one's experience mm-hmm. yeah what was the uh like i know you've directed um a lot of things <laughs> and like was is there like a difference for both of you guys in making something that is vr based versus like a standard film it's very different i think in some ways um folks who work in immersion or mm-hmm. like theater are actually really well equipped to mm-hmm. kind of move into the VR space. Oh, I can see how that makes rather sense. Rather than either. the other way around. Like people assume filmmakers, but we're working in 2D yeah. right. flat films with a framing right. device, you know, that we can change in size. And yes, we use movement, but it's, we're moving around mm-hmm. and directing where you're looking. With, with VR, it's, I have complete control over where I look. And if I decide not to look over here where you want me to, you know, and you're creating these like artificial ways of trying to get my attention, yeah. I can still choose not to. Right. Which I think is is the challenge and I think that's why it's exciting to work in that space. But um, I would say it's it's you need a lot more rehearsals. Yeah. <laughs> you don't got playback, you know. I was like, Ooh, we should rehearse a little longer. But you know, um, you live and you learn and it's good for us to play in these spaces early, um, and kind of work out the the kinks and not on a technological level, just like really understanding production design as a 360 world mm. and that's also that's different point. from film where it's like no this corner will do and like you you can't yeah. get away with that yeah in 360 um i still feel that when i watch a lot of vr films um there's still a lot of leaning on the technological impressive mm-hmm. nature of it mm-hmm. and i i want us to get to a place where we're still centralizing the stories and the human component mm-hmm. um because i think that's where it lives you know mm-hmm. i'm like i don't want to watch a film or a vr film and be like mm-hmm. that was impressive like i want to feel you know moved well i think for still here for instance um we played a lot with you know memory and mm-hmm. you can actually see things in a different order every mm-hmm. time and so how do you create a story where it's not like this happens because of that mm-hmm. right you know yeah. um so more stream of consciousness which mm-hmm. you know i i feel very comfortable with mm-hmm. where it doesn't have to um, start at the beginning to get to the end. I think we can kind of like jump around. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think a lot of the the feedback for uh, directors and creators in the immersive space who all who also want to incorporate narrative mm-hmm. is the what you're saying. It would be so much better if we could take from what we understand and feeling, and not necessarily um, stating every movement or making sure that everything feels so heightened in order for the experience to feel worth watching, if that Mm -hmm. makes sense. Um, You know, one question that we always ask in this space is why? Why VR? Why immersive? Um, Will it add to a story? Um, 
Or is it as, just a checkbox to be like, hey, yeah. we did VR. <laughs> exactly, exactly. We did. And that's a lot of, I mean, for folks in, in it's a lot of most spaces, they, I just want to do VR because yeah. tech yeah. seems cool. And, yeah. that, and that's, I mean, the beauty of yes. the challenge is like, yeah. what about this medium mm. is different? And how can we lean into those differences instead right. of trying to move really quickly mm-hmm. and make a film that could just be a film? And I imagine as an artist and a storyteller that posing such a good challenge too. To your point, like some people lean so much on that on the tech and it's like, this is a VR experience. Let's look at nature for right. five hours. Right. But it's like, yeah. how do you bring like the nature's story out there, in? Yeah. Exactly. Yes. Just go take it off. Take the headset off. Just yes. Outside. But I imagine as an artist and like wanting to tell your story and being given these different tools too, Mm -hmm. you're like, okay, well, it sounds like a challenge, but we're going to jump into it. Mm -hmm. And so I'm, I'm excited to see it. Yeah. 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 Um, how do you guys like outside of this, how do you guys decide which stories you Mm -hmm. want to tell? Yeah. So recently Mm -hmm. I've been thinking a lot about this actually. Oh, good. (laughs) About my purpose Mm -hmm. in this space because My entire career, I have worked for larger legacy networks and new media companies, and every single time I felt like I was working against myself Mm -hmm. as a black woman and as an advocate. Mm -hmm. Now, I always thought, and I always had stages where I thought, oh, no, you know, we can make changes Mm -hmm. from within. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, oh, then we can, you know, the next phase was, oh, then we can convince them that Mm -hmm. our stories matter because, uh, oh, the business side, the business side. And, and I always found myself in positions where the power was always more important to those in positions of power than what we could have offered as creatives, as journalists, as storytellers. Mm-hmm. And so I wanted to quit a lot. And I wondered, you know, why am I here? I feel like I am fighting all mm-hmm. of the time mm-hmm. to tell stories authentically um, with people who can tell their own story. Why do I constantly feel like we are being erased, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but I could not escape the reality that audiovisual narrative, it shapes everything. It Mm -hmm. shapes how we move, how we behave, how we consider Mm -hmm. other, Mm -hmm. uh, quote unquote. And, and the power of that and the responsibility in that is Mm -hmm. something that we cannot take for granted. So when I was at Vice, I decided to start an organization called Advocates for Inclusion in Media. And literally it was just like, oh, let's get a group of us. I know we cannot be the only ones feeling um, this way. Right. And, um, you know, uh, my colleague, uh, David Yee, he, actually he was at Mashable at the time. Mm-hmm. And we thought, let's just do a gathering in Brooklyn and let's see who shows up and we'll just talk about things. Let's just create a safe space where we can vent a little bit about what it means to tell a story, but then it being filtered through a white gaze and Mm -hmm. what does it, you know, how do we work through that? How do we network within each other, you know, within our own to to Mm -hmm. uplift and evolve? And we thought maybe a few people would come. 65 people showed up. Wow. Because it's a need. From all (laughs) that we don't necessarily feel comfortable speaking out against because it's a small industry. Right. Be careful of what you say and mm-hmm. who says this and that. And 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 I mean those are realities, it's right? True, for a yeah. lot of for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. But it, it really had me thinking, okay, there there has to be something there has to be something more that we can do where we can tell stories for the story, mm-hmm. but also use it to help each other recognize our own power in mm-hmm. this in this dynamic yeah. where normally we think or we've been taught to think that the conglomerate is 
you we need them yeah. as opposed yeah. to they right. need us yeah. Yeah. right mm-hmm. how do we flip that mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. the reality is mm-hmm. there would be no studio there would yeah. be no legacy network there mm-hmm. would be no new media company without those who are telling the stories mm-hmm. and those who are from these communities in which these stories are being told yeah. how can we show that maybe what we have been told and what we've been consuming isn't actually that accurate right 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 because right. mm-hmm. somebody else has been telling you. exactly yeah. that goes with our history mm-hmm. Ugh, right yeah. and our history within these stories mm-hmm. so that's kind of where i've been mm. I'm always trying to figure out, like, sometimes I don't even want to give, because of course, like, everything that I do, I have to give over at some point to some white person for them to say, this is good or bad. And a lot of times I'll be like, you know what? I'm not even going to let you see this. Because I know it's good. And you don't, yeah, you don't have the right. You don't have the cultural (laughs) I think we also need to understand that it's not that we just have stories, like, we know how to tell Tell them. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. How about you? How do you decide which stories you'd like to tell and the ways you like to convey your stories? Um, I try to sit with myself about what feels most vulnerable mm-hmm. um, and exposing to be honest about. And I also try to do this thing where like, okay, what does society teach me to hate mm-hmm. about myself, about mm-hmm. my people? And really recognize the ways that I have been conditioned. A lot of my stuff is autobiographical. Mm-hmm. You know, we do so much work in creating hierarchies within ourselves mm-hmm. because of the way society tells us um, about how we should be valued, you know, yeah. through production, through labor, that you have to be beautiful, that you have to be strong as a black woman, that you have to be excellent all the time. Mm-hmm. You can't afford to fail ever. Mm-hmm. And so I, I really try to sit with that and figure out, well, how can I, you know, write female characters who feel as expansive and flawed and beautiful and tragic and funny as like mm. my mom who you know showed me how to do nunchucks mm. in her house and she was like this is how you keep fascists away you know? <laughs> and i'm like that's crazy but also crazy. Yes. so just like you know thinking about what is literally in our backyards mm-hmm. in our hearts and in, in our immediate spaces and not um awesome. trying to recycle mm-hmm. you know tropes and right. i'm like if that doesn't resonate with me that, that's not accurate for yeah. me. Yeah. I'm always about like not shutting down other people's voices, but like how can we have more mm-hmm. voices? And, you know, it's not a black story. There's many different stories. Yeah. And we're also, you know, yeah. black people are everywhere. Yeah. And um, only... People. That we're, exactly. <clears throat> yeah. Is that not how crazy, how simple that lesson is though? That the only... And you hear that. Just tell your story. Mm-hmm. Be who you are. And you're like, oh, I know that. People have that tattooed on their arms. You see it on a yeah. poster. <laughs> but then really, you get into these spaces where you're paid to tell stories. And you're like, okay, well, that seems like a similar story. Or I know that trope. Let's go there. And you're like, mm-hmm. fuck it. No. Yeah, yeah. Yes. What's the most beautiful is when it is like so nuanced and so like... Oh, God, that shit gets me. Yeah. (laughs) I also try to think about what it is that we haven't seen. Mm -hmm. You know, like, my first two short films are about um, gender-based violence, and Mm -hmm. I'm interested in, well, you know, victimhood ontology. How can we break that open? How can we always recognize, like, our own agency, even even when um, society constantly... Because I think that's a power thing. Is telling us that like yeah. you are a victim, yeah. right? Um, yeah. But there's ways that we resist, even in the like hardest mm-hmm. places when our back mm-hmm. is against the wall, and and in weird ways. And it's like all these strategies are valid because mm-hmm. these like 
you know, Sammy Davis Jr. went through a lot of shit, mm-hmm. you know, was roasted by his white colleagues mm-hmm. and that level of racism, you know, oh, that yeah. he had to smile in the midst of. And I'm not going to judge that, you know, yeah, and right. and use these harmful words like Uncle Tom. Like, mm-hmm. like let, let's let's do yeah. away with that and really right. understand. And how do we love each other right. and and get the strategies that we're moving across. So, I mean, I try to, like, connect to, you know, myself mm-hmm. as a black woman who's queer. I try mm-hmm. to connect with like my immediate family, the revolutionaries in my family, mm-hmm. you know, mass incarceration has influ- like mm-hmm. has been a huge part mm-hmm. of dismantling my community. And mm-hmm. how do I be honest about that? Yeah. And um, and so we're still here. It was sort of like using my experience, but also talking to the women at the Women's Prison Association yeah. to hear their stories and be open to it not being like my dad's story. 100%. Or, you yeah. know, and like, mm-hmm. okay, how did you, Elaine, yeah. like experience this? And that's very different from Keisha's story. Mm-hmm. It's right. very different from Tamanika's story. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, and even, and Jasmine's a fictitious character. Right, right? She's right. not going to feel right to a lot of people. No, but, right. you know, we do need more stories about women and different kinds of women. We don't we ain't gotta be funny all the time. Right. Have, you know, there's sexy just, or right. Right. Ugh, that like is the entire like I'm always at my desk like because I, I always when I write anything I'm just kind of like I have to realize that when I take it into this white person that I have to say like their feedback most of the time is going to be based off of their comfort level like that might be a bit much is it a bit much or is it the fucking truth yeah. right you know what I mean like or you just and don't want to hear it because it makes you uncomfortable yeah. right you know yeah I think you have to volley it back to them and be like well let's talk about why this makes you feel uncomfortable yeah yeah having them explain it mm-hmm. and understanding that they can't yeah and then it's like Oh yeah, I don't really yeah. know what I'm talking about. Right. Exactly. You know? Yeah. Or I just feel uncomfortable. Right. Like exactly, that's great. You should yeah. feel uncomfortable, and that's why this will be a good, yeah, yeah, yes. good thing. Yeah. For but sure. it, but that is an interesting point. Um, a lot of the conditioning, right? This collective conditioning is something that we do have to consider and confront when we find ourselves in spaces where we know intellectually that our stories matter. Mm-hmm. That we should be able to yeah. voice exactly what we know, what we know to be true for ourselves, right? Um, you know, und- I know for people when, when considering being on the inside and having to compromise, and I mean, even with, with critics of a of, of film or mm-hmm. of anything, books, they, it's still, those critiques are still filtered through a boss who is most likely yeah. a white yeah. male. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's the biggest question is, you know, how, because I, I have so many friends, so many colleagues in news and and otherwise who, you know, want to change things from the inside, mm-hmm. right? Which is definitely needed. We mm-hmm. have to be reminders, even just in the space that we take mm-hmm. up, that this is ours too, right? right? That we are not condiments to the meal, okay? Right, We're the right. meal too. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> yes. <laughs> like, I'm a snack. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and and that can happen simultaneously, right? Mm-hmm. But but how do we position ourselves and reimagine spaces where we don't have to go through that that process, that mm-hmm. filter process? I, I mean, I'm I'm not making a statement or anything. I'm literally thinking about this all the time. Yeah. Like, how does yeah. this happen? Yeah. Um, yeah. Collectively, how, yeah. yeah. How can we offer that? in the process of making to our collaborators. Mm-hmm. And then I do want to give a shout out to like Damani Pompey who choreographed and Sarah yes. Springer who did the costuming mm-hmm. and um, Gabrielle Moses who did production design and mm-hmm. so many other people. Um, yeah. Alan. Alan who was the DP. 
um, and just and just kind of like AC. holding space for people mm-hmm. and trusting them that they know how to mm-hmm. tell story in their own way. Yes, and not um, cut them down and be like, well, this is for this audience. Right, yes. like being strong in directing and producing and just creating that kind of bubble of like creating from a place of agency and like I see it this way, and even if you don't see it quite the same, like figuring out, okay, well, how can we incorporate? that difference mm-hmm. um, and create something that we couldn't create on our own as I'm doing these jobs like in Hollywood and mm-hmm. like on different sets and like mm-hmm. they are they are different yeah. you know what I mean and just like how do I keep what I know within so that mm-hmm. I can navigate and flow mm-hmm. and figure out mm-hmm. how we can do this work yeah. and it's yeah. work though it's yeah. not going to be easy yeah. right yeah. it's always going to be hard and speaking of Hollywood um, I just want to ask you Random Acts of Flyness is so dope um, it's it's a project that we don't get to see in the black community specifically. Like we don't get to do that surreal kind of like, we we just don't, we're not allowed to do that typically. You know, people don't see us in that light. You know, again, they want to see us down and hurt. And then they tackle, Mm -hmm. the show tackles so many subjects. Like tell me about working on Random Acts of Blindness. Yeah, I mean, it was um, honestly a blessing, and I think I'll be 85 talking about, remember those days? <laughs> 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 finest, we just made this shit happen. <laughs> yeah, it's been, it's, it's, it was honestly just like a gift, um, mm-hmm. and I think a lot of that credit goes to Terrence Nance mm-hmm. for, you know, he's the show creator, yeah. mm-hmm. and just like being able to see see what is possible within folks even before they realize it and Mm -hmm. offering that space I was talking about. Mm -hmm. There was never a moment of we can't do this. We can't make Mm -hmm. this surreal like thing that has never existed before. This looks like us. Yeah. Um, You know, and there was a lot of really amazing writers in that room like Mariama Diallo, Nuatama Badomo, um, Nelson Nance, Shaka Mm -hmm. King, Jamin Washington. Um, I hope I'm not forgetting anyone. And if so, I apologize. Um, Mm. And it was just no ego. We all had this like bigger mission in mind of like, how can we shift the needle Mm -hmm. in terms of consciousness Mm. and and understand like expanding the idea of blackness and leaning in to the void so that we can create new and different stories and then turn, you know, the camera on like what machismo culture looks like Mm -hmm. in Afro-Dominican households Mm -hmm. and, and how do we resist and also subscribe to um, homophobic shit yeah. because we're trying to survive right. and we're not trying to question the deeper needs of male intimacy. Like, right. you know, these complicated things that we're often afraid of talking about and being honest about because mm-hmm. of the judgment that we are trying to shed mm-hmm. and are externalizing and are feeling like, okay, well, we don't want to talk about this in front of white folks, right. but mm-hmm. um, I, I want to talk about it yeah. and not even think about You know, and so we had some process rules about what we were not going to try to, like, we're going to resist talking about white folks. Yes. That's not our audience. Like, our audience is us. Yeah. How do we like this in a way that our, like, younger nephew sees, like, his grandmother's kitchen in Mm -hmm. it? Or, like, just really being honest about how Mm -hmm. we see the world Mm -hmm. and without white people in mind yeah so and i think it's a gift that like you know we all are off doing our own things Mm -hmm. making our own films now Mm -hmm. um and i think we'll be back for a season two for sure 100 Mm percent. and i think it's going to be even more expansive and like just got a lot more stories to tell yeah and and i you know i think we also owe it to a lot of voices you know 
I love Insecure, for instance, mm-hmm. because Issa Rae gave us a show where, like, nothing super traumatic happens. Yeah. And it's yeah. literally just, like, love and, like, hard yeah, times yeah, at the job, yeah. but, like, right. she's going to be okay, but and we're going to laugh, and we're yeah. going to, you know, so, yeah. and then and then that from Donald Glover's um, Atlanta, mm-hmm. and each of each of these shows gives us a little bit more permission yeah. to be like, oh, that shit is weird. Like, I love yeah. that Invisible Cross. Yeah, the Invisible Cross. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Yes. 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 So, you know, and, and that's what yeah. I'm... I'm thinking about it's like just different voices and like mm-hmm. we can create our own yeah. worlds World. and we are like mm-hmm. micro cosmos yeah. you know on our own and like we could we could yeah. do that and we don't need permission so no. how do you make yes. without permission yeah and mm-hmm. stop thinking about what's already out there yeah yes you know how do you make without permission um i think you have to understand that you are hired to get fired as a director mm-hmm. or as any creative mm-hmm. like you are creating yeah so you have to do it with a certain level of like, I don't care if you're going to buy it. I don't care. Like, I, I just yes. do not care. Yeah. It like, needs to be made. Yeah. And whether it's, you know, on HBO or mm-hmm. projected on handball courts. In the right. book, yeah. It's right. going to be made. It's going to get made. Yes. yes. So you have to on make some it. Level. We yeah. have to continue creating. And money comes yeah. and goes. Yeah. And, yeah. and we can't, like, you cannot. And it's hard because I'm like, well, I got bills to pay. So I'm going to say yes to this job. <laughs> yeah. But I think, you know, just go, reconnecting to that mission of yes. like what needs to be created to heal your soul mm-hmm. and, you, and, you know, yeah. what you need mm-hmm. Is, mm-hmm. is always going to be more mm-hmm. sustainable. Yes. Yeah. And not centering whiteness. Yeah. I feel that is That is such an incredible, like... Yeah. It's vital, <laughs> yeah. though, because energy is given mm-hmm. to it whether those who are benefiting the most from whiteness are here present or not yeah. right so then how can you redirect that energy mm-hmm. to you your community your art what you know then that amplifies your purpose yeah, yeah. and just another I love that you know, another phrase is like stop decentering blackness yeah. right like, even it's not even about them like it's yes. sort of how can I just make myself center again? Yeah. Yeah. Because when you make out of that, when you make out of that space, yes. you could, like you said, the money can come and go, whatever stamp of approval might come or might not come, but you've made it from here. Mm-hmm. And because of that, it'll resonate. Yeah. It'll resonate. Yeah. It'll resonate for yourself. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Full stop. Because yes. I've never, if, if I've ever watched a film yeah. that I loved, it's mm-hmm. because I've had to lean in mm-hmm. to right. the differences yeah. and I'm not being spoken to like an idiot. Yeah. Right. Yes. It's yeah. like, right. oh, I got to figure this shit out. Out. This yeah. shit is good. And yeah. Exercise. I don't understand. Yeah. 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 I'm like, that so is what we should why, be doing. You know, yeah. it's weird when people ask me, can you dumb this down for me? Oh, yeah. Can you yeah. explain what this word means? I'm like, can you right. lean in and you get smarter? But right. So fa- that's that is the norm. Yeah. That a lot of people believe that for those who are approving scripts, this is what I'm learning yeah. from. That if if somebody <laughs> doesn't understand a word, they'll throw shit away. Mm. Oh yeah. Yeah, and we're and the, the idea and the, I mean this happens in in news. Mm-hmm. Oh, make sure everything mm-hmm. is dumbed down. Who are you doing that for? for? Who? It, yes. yes. <laughs> um, yeah. It doesn't have to be that way. It, it doesn't. doesn't. Yeah, and it I think more matter. more creatives of color need to realize that and also yes. just stand in that and feel comfortable with it. You're right. We do get caught up in the like, I got bills to pay. I gotta right. do this. Yeah. I gotta do that. And it's really hard. But we know that the things that we make are amazing and that yes. our stories are beautiful and yes. they deserve to be told. And especially from us and from our perspective. And it never goes wrong. Yeah. It never goes wrong. It never. only grows wrong when they try to tell our stories for us. Yes. And through yeah. their lens, through their 
gaze. It never goes wrong <laughs> when we try to sell our own stories. It never yeah, does. Yeah. Yep. It never does. Yep. I don't want to cut you guys off. This is so good, but we have to wrap oh, up. This is good. Um, this is good. But yeah. thank you guys so much. Um, can you. you please tell the people where to find you if you want to be found? <laughs> I'm already found. Um, <laughs> You can follow me on Instagram at mm-hmm. Naima Ram Chap. So it's N I M A R A M C H A P. And then uh, what's next is um, I'm just working on some screenplays um, mm-hmm. for myself and for my own healing. But also season one of um, Betty, which is a show oh. um, inspired by Crystal Moselle's Skate Kitchen oh. about you know real life skaters, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. like actual awesome oh, amazing yeah. girl gang. Um, mm-hmm. Highly recommend you guys watch the film. It was a lot of fun to work on, and it, it, it comes out soon. I don't know when. That's terrible. Usually, mm-hmm. I we'll work on something, I keep moving. It. Yeah. But yeah, 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 yeah. But Skate Kitchen Inspired is called Betty. It'll be on HBO. Okay. Um, I wrote on it, so. Nice. Yeah. Super cool. Well, um, I'm horrible at Instagram, but you can find me at Sarah Austere. So that's Sarah with an H, and then Austere, like Fred Astaire, A-S-T-A-R-E. You're good at Instagram. I'm not good. that yeah. good. You don't need to be good at it. Okay, okay. No. <laughs> thanks, thanks, thanks. Good at life. Um, yeah, so that's that's all I have. And then in terms of, of projects, um, I'm working on a couple of things. There are some documentaries that are now being created into scripted. So this Ooh. is an interesting space. And I'm working that with some really, really wonderful space. people yeah. Yeah. on those things. And then I am really on the advocacy side trying to figure out um, how we can put action mm-hmm. uh, toward really creating this, uh, a re-ima- not, not to reimagine, but to continue to create and also understand our own power. Mm-hmm. So um, anyway. Some training. Yes. yes, because yeah. again, I mean, nothing to be ashamed of because yeah. we've, we've all been consuming very mm-hmm. specific narratives yeah. for a very long time. So um, trying to understand the micro, uh, using self as a microcosm to, um, then you know be able to 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 add to the evolution of of us on a macro Mm -hmm. so um yeah working with black women it it fills me up Mm -hmm. and um i want to just continue to to do that nice oh this has been so good (laughs) i know i feel like this could honestly go on for two more hours yes Yes. we could go for two more hours thank you guys so much thank you appreciate it here with Christina Costantini. Uh, she is the director of Mucho Mucho Amor, which is the documentary about the great Walter Mercado. Um, we actually just finished watching it. We don't want to give it away, but we were all crying. Yes. Yeah. yes. <laughs> okay, yes. We're all crying. Um, I, I cry every time, too, and I feel like an idiot. It's my own movie that I cry. So first of all, Christina, thank you so much for being with us. We really appreciate it. Thank you for having us. We have us. a series of questions for you. and um, But first, you know, thank you for making this film. Like, I feel like I'm going to cry now. <laughs> I'm not Latina, but I my best friend growing up was Puerto Rican. And I used to spend all the time at her grandma's house with her. And Walter Mercado would be on all day. And I was just so fascinated by him all the time. I mean, just like such a positive person. And then like getting that insight into his life like that was amazing brilliant storytelling i'm welling up right now i'm just 
you did a great job. Uh, <laughs> thank you guys so much for coming. And yeah, thank you for you know one of our biggest fears is that like we make this movie and then people who don't know him as well as we do don't get it. I think for like our generation, he resonates even more than maybe our parents' mm-hmm. generation. Right. Not just because of the the grandma thing, but because mm-hmm. he embodies so many ideals that I think our generation is uh, is more accepting of and, and promotes and just being yourself. I mean. Nobody was gender queer in 1940 no. in Puerto Rico, except for somehow Walter. Right. Yeah, <laughs> right, and, and made it work and made yeah. it a successful career, and also like the comebacks. Yeah, like mm-hmm. it being able to like have someone say, you know, ask you these questions and just kind of like <laughs> dip so and dive. Sharp. Yeah. yeah, just like so sharp. In such as I was like, I need to like I need to step my game up. Like he's <laughs> I mean, just so confident, brilliant. Brilliant. Thank you. Um, so yeah, he's incredible. I mean, it, he's a, one of the hardest interviews I've ever done. I'm an investigative journalist, so I've talked to, like, drug lords and, mm-hmm. like, you know, executives from companies. But Walter has, like, 50 years of media training, so he knows exactly how to come back to everything, how to redirect it to the mm-hmm. thing that he wants to talk about, mm-hmm. which I'm sure you guys know as interviewees. It's hard to, <laughs> it's, it's hard yeah, to keep somebody on topic or is, to get yeah. somebody to answer a question they don't want to. So, you know, like, when we ask him about his sex, and he doesn't want to answer it and we say well Walter are you telling me you're not telling me that you're a virgin and yeah. he goes the only one in town that's, that's like, amazing that was like that's, that's my favorite I know I was like I wish I could use that but I think everybody knows by now straight <laughs> <laughs> in the street was, was there anything that you learned about him that you were shocked to find out during this process just the initial like when it, when we first met him uh, he was so smart he was so well read his his whole uh house was covered in books he had seen almost every movie from like the oldest movies to like he, he really kept up on stuff he's a big mm-hmm. rosalia fan he's a big bad bunny fan like he's oh, wow. he like he is that's like, so cool yeah he 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 consumes everything and so just how quick he was and how quickly he could access that huge library of information in his head Mm -hmm. was remarkable. I mean, I knew he was special. I knew the vibes were good, but I didn't know how just bright he was and how quick he was. So Mm -hmm. you spoke on this a little bit at the, at the, uh, the Q and a, but like, how did you guys decide to come to do this documentary on Walter? Yeah. So Myself, my co-director, Kareem Tapsh, and our mm-hmm. producer, Alex Fumero, we all grew up watching Walter with our abuelitas, and so we all have been obsessed with Walter, like many Latinos, since mm-hmm. we were that age. Um, and I think, you know, we, as adults, all three of us kind of started wondering whatever happened to Walter. You know, he was so fabulous, he was so loud, how could somebody like that disappear? It just, right. somebody like that doesn't disappear easily. Mm-hmm. So the three of us... Um, kind of all, well, I started calling around my friends at Univision, and they were like, you should call Alex Fumero. He's obsessed with Walter, too. <laughs> and then I called Alex, and Alex was like, this is so weird. I've been, I set up a call for like half an hour from now with this other filmmaker who's also obsessed with Walter, who's trying to make contact with the family. And it was like, it really was like cosmic. It was like, within half an hour, we had decided that we were all going to work together. And I hardly knew Alex. We were on different sides of a mm-hmm. big company. I didn't know Kareem at all until the night before I met Walter. Oh, wow. And so it's really miraculous that it worked out 
mm-hmm. like it did, but it's been it's been so fun and such a joy, and especially during these like difficult political times to be talking about a subject that's and being spending time with a subject a yeah. person that is so wonderful and warm has been a real blessing for sure. Yeah, and I know so I, the time period is pretty much like you guys kind of started like twenty eighteen into twenty nineteen, correct? Exactly. So yeah, like twenty seventeen. So yeah. over like a year and a half, two years. Two 20, years. Oh, two years. Okay. Yeah. Um, I mean, which is like that's probably most volatile time, especially yeah. for Puerto Rico. Yeah, yeah. Um, what was it like being there? Like, how was he faring in this? Like, did he have any opinions on the stuff that was happening and like the unfair treatment? of the Puerto Rican residents and, you know, everything else. Yeah, you know, Walter's a, pr- a pretty vocal person, and he, like, speaks about politics. And, um, yeah, when we met him, we came down actually right after Maria. Mm. And um, Walter had, like, one of the only generators in the neighborhood and was, of course, sharing with all of course, his neighbors yeah. because that's what Walter does. But it was it was hard. You know, the lights would go off as we were shooting. The electricity mm-hmm. would fail. It was not an easy shoot by any means. And, and Puerto Rico's, you know has a lot of issues in terms of infrastructure and mm-hmm. um and that we f- we felt that a lot and um so it, uh, Walter we always talk about Walter is a product of Puerto Rico he I don't know if he could have come from anywhere else I think that mm-hmm. island there's something about being on an island and being mm-hmm. like he, that allowed him to curate exactly who he wanted to be I think everybody knew and loved Walter on the mm-hmm. island and so even though he was so different it was such a small place that everybody loved him as a person. Mm-hmm. I mean, not every there were you know always haters, always a few haters. But I think yeah. because How he can was you hate Walter, like, <laughs> I mean, yeah. who is hating on Walter Mercado? Like I you, mean, you the... homophobic. Yeah, you know. That's true. Yeah, so yeah, people that are living in their own misery. Pretty yeah, much. Exactly. yeah. <laughs> okay. Exactly. But there were so many people who loved Walter on the island because they had known they worked with him and they loved him. That he, I think, was encouraged by that, and that allowed him to be exactly who he wanted to be. Yeah. Yeah. What a miraculous person. Yeah. Um, tell us a little bit about your personal filmmaking journey. How did you decide to become a filmmaker? I know you're an investigative journalist, but yeah. how did you decide to become a filmmaker? That's a great question. Um, yeah, I started I started as an immigration reporter for the Huffington Post, mm-hmm. and then I became an investigative producer. Mm-hmm. So I did a lot of serious, sad topics, and, you know, I... I care about a lot of issues deeply and want to share them um and and explore them but i i learned with i did a movie called science fair that was here in 2018 yeah Mm -hmm. (laughs) and it it did it was my first happy thing i'd done in my entire life it was it was a celebrated kids from many from communities that are not celebrated right Mm -hmm. now um, going out into the world and doing this like amazing science, solving Zika and uh, huge problems, mm-hmm. and uh, I realized that although my movie was about you know the importance of immigrants and you know Muslim women and mm-hmm. and um, with a strong black female lead, like I, I realized I was reaching more people through this happy story mm-hmm. than I was reaching with my serious stories. Right. And Walter was another story where I was like, this message is so important, but he decorated it in sequins and jewels. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and and so it makes it the, the message goes farther I think when you present it in a way that mm-hmm. people understand and are and are enthralled by like like Walter did so that's part of the reason I want to do this the Walter story but um, at the end of the day I, I think filmmaking is one is a great vehicle for building compassion and empathy mm-hmm. between communities um, it's also necessary for people from communities that don't get representation to tell their stories mm-hmm. um, 
and uh, and if we don't tell them, nobody will. So um, I want to continue telling stories for my community, things that I know well, and, and building compassion and building bridges among different groups of people. Yeah, I mean, I think positive filmmaking is like it's highly underrated because I do think like I could just even feel the energy in the theater mm-hmm. you know what I mean that it's like even if everyone is like so different you can still feel like a camaraderie like I felt like I wasn't crying by myself yeah. I wasn't sitting there cheesing at the you yeah. know the screen by myself like it felt like a very group thing no, you know like wonderful. like-minded it, it was cross-generational too even across mm-hmm. like all the ethnicities and races and even ages within the theater oh, you could tell everybody had like a collective feeling about it Oh, yeah, that's yeah. so wonderful. I mean, that's why you make movies. And being in audiences or being in theaters is like, it's so surreal. Yeah. It's so surreal to be to, to see your own thing with a lot of other people seeing it once. I don't There's yeah. It's a great feeling. Mm-hmm. So that's what I was going to say. I um, Speaking of, you know, everybody seeing it, I was, uh, I was home. I wasn't here yet. Um, we left the day after the premiere. <sighs> and I was like on Instagram, like, stalking you dance <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like stalking Sundance and like like first of all the party at the Latinx house was popping yes uh, <laughs> I've never been to a party like that <laughs> at Sundance before yeah it was completely popping and then um just like the reception of the of the film seemed to be really really positive like the pictures and everybody getting to like be together and you guys I mean you're sharp right now <laughs> I mean, just so you guys know Christine has this amazing sequin bla- uh, blazer yes. thank you it's so nice and then I mean you had on Walter's like Cape. capes and er- it was just so grand it's so beautiful um how's the re- I mean obviously it's been great how's the reception been so far it's been we were, we're overwhelmed I'm like nobody is more shocked than we are that people are responding to it mm-hmm. um yeah, all of our reviews have been great. The peop- the I think the people coming up to you afterwards is really the thing that's been most gratifying, mm-hmm. especially Latino people saying, mm-hmm. like, you know, I've never seen this depicted. Like, these stories are our stories, and, and that stuff is super important mm-hmm. and super meaningful. And a lot of our critics have been Latino, which is mm-hmm. really helps because they get it they immediately. They get it, yeah. yeah. And, and so we're super thankful to all of the mm-hmm. Latino critics who come out for it and who are promoting it and trying to get our stories out there mm-hmm. yeah um this is like one of the reasons why we were so excited to come to sundance this year is because of the female representation and the mm-hmm. woman of color representation and i mean how has that been like compared to your first uh trip to sundance with science fair do you see like a huge difference i do i mean science fair was only two years ago but i will say that there is a growing super exciting um group of women making films right now and I think at one point there was this perception that if a woman was in this a hyper competitive industry male dominated industry there were only a certain amount of spots for them but yeah. I get a real sense of love and solidarity from this group of women particularly young women I think mm-hmm. there's a different there's just a different energy and I think that we all feel like we're in something together and that it's mm-hmm. it's on us to make sure that like our voices uh, continue to be out there and our stories continue to be told. So I feel like a real camaraderie with this group mm-hmm. of young women. I mean, there's just this, there's a vibe about it this year that's hard to put your finger on. Yeah. Everybody's excited to introduce you to everybody else and everybody's fig- trying to figure out how to collaborate together. Mm-hmm. And 
It's really cool. It's really cool. It feels good too because it literally okay. It literally feels like Sundance is doing the work. Yeah, which is great. Yeah. Um, I know we only have a short amount of time with you. Um, do you guys have any other questions? I have one last question. Um, you go, go ahead. First. Yeah. I I, w- I wanted to ask about Harriet. I ah! keep hearing I, everything I read about you talks about your dog Harriet. Oh, Harriet. <laughs> I feel like I was just going to ask about she is, I, I don't have a single picture of her on my phone. Let me show you. <laughs> she's she's my baby. loves her dog Harriet. She's, I was like, okay, that's a nice note at the end of our show. She's, she's my baby. She is, she is adorable. She's a five-year-old pug dog. Um, she is a Taurus. <laughs> she's a Taurus. Okay. <laughs> no, she's great. She's a wonderful dog. I can't, I'm not. I can't find it. It's any all issue. good. But yeah, <laughs> she's the sweetest, and, the, and I'm with her all the time. She's like my sidekick. I yeah. miss her a lot. I miss her a lot. Yeah. My question was just, uh, what's next? What's up oh, on the horizon? Yeah, okay, that's a more important question. No, no, no. <laughs> it's not true. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've done a number of docs very quickly, and they're kind of exhausting, so I think I'm going to change directions a little bit. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'll continue to do docs, I think, forever, but I'm working on my first um, scripted project that mm-hmm. I'm writing. Um yes. And yeah, I'm working on an animated short with Ooh, my husband. Nice. Stop motion. Yeah, it, it'll be fun. I'm just trying to, you know, keep having fun and, and learn new things. I feel like the moment you stop yeah. learning new things and pushing yourself, it gets boring. So yeah. just fun. trying to have fun. I'm cool. trying to keep it fun. Yeah. So good. Yeah. And hopefully tell stories that matter and connect and, you know, all well, the good stuff. They definitely do. Oh, yeah. yeah, definitely. 100% do. Do you know when the film is going to be released? Is it going to be released on Netflix? And- uh, it will, yeah. Sometime in 2020, maybe this summer. Okay. Um, but I don't know exactly when yet. But it's super mm-hmm. exciting because it will be in almost 200 countries. Um, and because Netflix has such a great Latin American distribution that it's, it's it really is where it should be because people who grew up with him need to be able to watch it. So right. Netflix is like the best home for us. Can't wait to watch it again. Yeah. 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 Christina, thank, thank you so much. You. Oh my thank goodness. So Thanks much. for having me. Appreciate, appreciate this interview um, and we'll be looking out for it and we're going to tell everybody to follow you. <laughs> All the things. That's awesome. Thank you guys. Thank you. Yeah. This has been great. <laughs>